here is here. Uh, some say it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And those going to the preschool class, you are dismissed. You can head out, right? Uh, now, it is that time of the year, and uh, I am not always that great at getting good gifts for people, but every now and then I'll, I'll come through, okay? Uh, because there was a year that I got Brittany a great gift. Uh, and when I asked her yesterday, what were, you know, is there any Christmas gift I've gotten you that, that is memorable? Uh, within two seconds, this came to her mind. Uh, surprisingly, it wasn't the Snuggie. Uh, it wasn't the Chia Pet or any of those. Uh, what it was that came to her mind was the heated mattress pad for our bed. And the reason that this was such a great gift for her was because it took some effort and work for me to pursue this gift. I mean, anyone can just go out and, and just get a gift thoughtlessly for someone, right? Or anyone can go out and get a gift that they themselves would like to get uh, without consideration of, of what the actual person wants. Uh, but if you want to pursue a great gift for someone, it takes some work, it takes some effort, and first of all, uh, you, you have to know them, right? You, you have to at least know a little bit about them. You, you have to have some opportunity to ask them questions about what they like and don't like, uh, what they value, maybe a current problem or issue they have, what things they really enjoy. And he, here are some things that I, I know about uh, Britt. Uh, one thing I know from being married, uh, being married to Brittany is that uh, I know she gets very cold when she sleeps. Uh, like I could be laying in a pool of sweat and next to me is the, starts, uh, the start of like a, a blanket fort, right? Just kind of a pile, a mound of, of uh, all the blankets we have in our house. So I know she gets very cold when she sleeps. I know that she shares a bed with someone who gets very hot when he sleeps. And I also then know the, the price that it costs to heat our house in the winter, right? So all these things I'm aware of and I'm knowing. And so those were the things that I knew. But then I had to take that knowledge and I had to put it into action in order to pursue what gift would be best for her to receive, and so what I did first was I looked at some heated blankets, right? That seemed like a, a natural first step. She really likes blankets. Let's, let's add some electricity to the mix, right? Let's add that heated blanket, that covering over her. But as I read some reviews and as I looked into it, I actually found that there was a lot of wasted energy from a heated blanket, right? Because it's laying on top of you. And so the heat rises and there's a lot of wasted energy there. And that was something I didn't know about when I first started this pursuit, uh, but then I came upon a heated mattress pad that you laid on the, you know, you put on the very underneath your sheets and you laid on top of it. And as the heat rose, the blankets and the comforter trapped the heat in. But as I looked at these, I started to get really nervous because that meant that I would have to lay on it as well. And I was getting sweaty just thinking about that. But then, but then I found a dual-sided, temperature-controlled, heated mattress pad. And it went down in the Christmas gift hall of fame. And I have disappointed her every year since. 
All right, so she's teaching preschool. You guys are here today to help. No, I'm just kidding. We're not, this won't, we won't make this about us. But I have disappointed her every year since, right? But you see, the, the pursuit of a great Christmas gift, it can't just stop with knowledge and what you know. You must take what you know and you must correctly put it into action in the specific situation that you find yourself in. And the same is true for us as Christians. As disciples of Christ, we are not just called to pursue uh, more knowledge of God. We are called to take that knowledge and to correctly put it into action, into the situations of life that we find ourselves in. Church, we are called to pursue wisdom. Wisdom. And this morning, we are starting a sermon series that is all about wisdom. Typically, we preach through books of the Bible here verse by verse. We just finished the book of Jonah. Uh, in January, we plan to start a Romans. Uh, but in between, we're going to do a, a little bit more of a topical sermon series all about wisdom. And we're calling this series the Advent of Wisdom. Advent meaning arrival, right? It's a season that the church has typically uh, celebrated the first arrival of Christ as well as longed for and looked forward to his second advent or arrival. But then we're also acknowledging through this is that when Jesus arrived on earth, when he took on flesh, we're saying that wisdom had finally arrived. The truly wise king is finally here. The advent of wisdom. And so, church, I want us to see in, this, in these times, these next few weeks, I want us to see our need of wisdom. I want us to get a taste of it and, and uh, see just how great it is and how joyous it is to pursue wisdom. If we are truly following Christ, then we will be pursuing wisdom. It's just not enough to know the right things about God. It's not enough to just know and study the right doctrines of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Those things are so, so, so very important. We can't neglect them, but we also can't stop there. We can't stop there in our relationship with God. For me to really enjoy fellowship in my marriage, I must take what I know about my wife and I must put it into action. And in the same way, in order for us to enjoy fellowship with God, we must take what we know to be true from God's word and we must pursue how to correctly and actively apply it to the specific situations of life we find ourselves in. And the situations of life that we find ourselves in, they are always changing, and they can be very complex at times, and therefore wisdom is something that we must always pursue. We will always have the need to pursue more wisdom. And this morning's sermon is titled, Wise Beginnings, Wise Beginnings, for if we want to pursue wisdom, we must begin wisely. And we will therefore start in Proverbs chapter 1. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, we are going to ha go to multiple other uh, Proverbs and passages of Scripture this morning, more than, more than normal when we're just walking through one text. Uh, but if you want to camp out in Proverbs 1, that would be a good spot to be. 
Uh, the Proverbs this whole month will be a great help to us, will be a great gift to us as we pursue wisdom together. Um, as well as you think of some of the parables and the teachings of Jesus, uh, he taught in a very similar way as the Proverbs taught. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the parables read very much like wisdom literature does. And so I'd encourage you this month to, on your own throughout the week, be reading through the Proverbs, getting familiar with some of the treasures that are there to be had and found and enjoyed. The first nine chapters of, of Proverbs consist mainly of some longer instructive speeches uh, from the perspective of a father giving advice to his son. And then from chapter 10 and on, it consists largely of some concise sayings or teachings. King Solomon, King David's son, compiled these Proverbs and sayings. He wrote most of them, but some are attributed to others as well. But he's the one that compiled this material all together. And this material was initially used to train up the young men of Israel and get them ready to, for positions of leadership so that they could live and rule the kingdom wisely. Many of the Proverbs are not necessarily written always as promises that will be immediately fulfilled, but instead these Proverbs are written in a way that is describing the way things normally work. They are describing the way that God has ordered and created His world. And so the prayer for us this Advent season is that as we look through these Proverbs, as we look through the life and teaching of Jesus, that, that we would as a people not be content to just grow in knowledge, but that we would see our need of wisdom and we would start taking steps to pursue wisdom together. So let's, let's pray, let's ask for the Lord's help in this, uh, and then we'll start into Proverbs 1. Father God, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who has revealed yourself to us through your world and through your word, and God, we ask that now you would give light to these scriptures. Lord, we do ask that you would give us wisdom, that you would instruct us and teach us and train us. And God, would you do the work that needs to be done on us for us to see our need of wisdom and for us to fall in love with the pursuit of wisdom. We need your help, God. Open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. And may your word take deep root in our hearts and transform us, and stir up our love for you and for one another. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Proverbs 1, verse 1. Look with me. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Let's stop there. Verse 2 starts out by saying, to know wisdom and instruction. That word instruction is a word that, that means uh, to be instructed with both correction and discipline. To be corrected and to be disciplined. The pursuit of wisdom, it takes some correction 
And it takes some discipline, meaning that it's going to be a painful process, which is why many do not pursue it and why many times I have not pursued it. It is a painful process. There is a training process to undergo, to pursue wisdom. You, it, this means that to pursue wisdom, you will have to be corrected and disciplined by someone at some times. If you've, if you've never worked out before or never gone to the gym or done exercising before, it might be wise to get a personal trainer or at least someone who, who knows how all the machines work that can kind of show you what to do, right? Who can take a knowledge of what we know about the human body, can take your specific goals, and then can put things together in a correct action plan for you in order for you to discipline and train your body. Now, that's going to be a more painful experience for you, right? With the per- I mean, you always, uh, you know, look upon the person with the personal trainer. You just feel bad for them, right? They're just getting worked and doing all these, you know, leg exercises while we're just over here doing what we're comfortable with, right? It'll be a more painful process to be instructed and trained and disciplined and discipled and corrected. But someone who wants to exercise wisely will receive that instruction. They will welcome it. And in the same way, we, in order to be instructed in wisdom, we need to be, we need people to correct us and push us and instruct us and discipline us. The pursuit of wisdom requires instruction, and instruction comes with correction and discipline, and it is a painful process. But it is worth it. It is worth it. Why can I say that? Proverbs 16, 16, we'll have these up on the screen, teaches us something about the value of wisdom. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. I mean, people right now concerned about inflation, right? They're going after gold and silver and Bitcoin and whatever else. And listen, there is something even more valuable that inflation cannot touch, and that is wisdom. Wisdom. Oh, we pursue so many other things, and we're willing to endure pain to pursue so many other things, but so many times we don't pursue wisdom. I mean, how much pain and correction and discipline were we willing to endure to get a diploma or to get a degree or to get a paycheck, to get a little gold and silver? But oh, how much better to pursue wisdom. It is of greater worth to us. And we must pursue it. And so one of my questions for you all this morning is, is what type of painful instruction have you endured to get wisdom? Some of you have. You've, you've, you've opened yourself up to that, that painful process of being discipled and corrected and disciplined, and you have endured and you've gotten wisdom as a result, but some of us, we've just avoided that painful process at all costs. Have you put yourself in a position where someone can correct you and push you, and instruct you. You see, what we see repeated over and over in these verses, and all throughout Proverbs, is that wisdom is not something we are born with. It is something we must pursue. It is something we must get. 
Proverbs 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Right? Wisdom is not something that we already have. Right? Just like I didn't already have a gift for Brittany. Right? No, it is, it is something that must be pursued that is outside of ourselves. And we must see that in order for us to begin on this pursuit of wisdom, we must first realize that it is something we don't already have. No matter how old you are, no matter how many things you've been through, no matter how much scripture you know or how many Sunday school classes you've sat through or how many Bible studies you've been through, wisdom must still be pursued and we must not forget to pursue it. That's a real thing. We forget. Proverbs 4 verse 5 says, Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. None of God's words are wasted. He knows we will forget. Do not forget. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Pursue it. You see, God's word does not change. What we know to be true of God doesn't change. But we live in a changing world with unique circumstances and challenges that come our way. And no two circumstances are always exactly the same because no two people are always exactly the same. And therefore, in order to correctly and actively apply our knowledge to specific situations, wisdom will be something we must always continuously be pursuing. And so let me, let me encourage some of my older brothers and sisters in the room who have walked with Christ for more years than, than, than many of us. There is still more wisdom to be pursued. And we who are younger, I'm still going to put myself in the younger camp, I think. We who are younger need you to keep pursuing wisdom. Because we who are pursuing wisdom, we need others to go to who are pursuing wisdom that have some years on us. But how many times is just the temptation as you get older to just be kind of content with where you're at and what you've learned and just kind of coast? And so how we get wisdom is by looking outside of ourselves. And it's ultimately found in primarily looking to God. And we'll talk through some practical ways today about how we can look to God to get wisdom. But just to get things rolling, number one is we can look to his world. We can look to observe his creation. Right? You, you will become wise if you, if you go outside and for 15 minutes just observe creation. There will be wisdom in that for you. We look to God and His world and how He's created things. We look to God and His, His Word. He's revealed Himself to us in His Word. We go to the Word to get knowledge and to get wisdom. We go to God in prayer. And we ask Him for wisdom. To pray and ask for wisdom. That's you acknowledging, hey, there's something I don't already have here, Lord, and I need it. And I'm telling you, I've seen him answer that prayer. He doesn't always drop it all on you all of a sudden, but he answers that prayer by sending the right people and the right circumstances into your life to allow you to start getting on the path of pursuing wisdom. Go to him in prayer and then go to his people. 
Go to his people. Specifically, his people that are also pursuing wisdom. Which we sadly do have to specify that. So we get wisdom by looking outside of ourselves, looking to God. We look to his world and his word, and we go to him in prayer, and we go to his people. And there are many in here this morning who have been pursuing wisdom. You've come and you've asked for biblical counsel. You've asked one another for advice. You've had questions for other believers from from them as they're seeking the wisdom from God as well. And so right from the start, the beginning of this pursuit of wisdom, for many of us, maybe for some, is, is, is just we just need to start out by reminding us that we need to pursue it. This is something we need to be pursuing. We wake up in the morning pursuing all these other things. One of the main things we must be pursuing is wisdom. We've forgotten. And for others who are starting this journey of wisdom, for others, maybe you don't think you need to pursue wisdom because you are already wise. And that is a really dangerous place to be in. Thinking that you are wise in your own eyes. Isaiah 5, 21 says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. When God says woe to someone, he's making an exclamation of sadness and judgment over them. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. In Proverbs 1, we see that wisdom is something we don't start out having. We must endure instruction to get it, right? We see that in verse 2. Endure instruction to get it. It must be something that is received. We see that in verse 3. It must be something that is given. We see that in verse 4, right? To give prudence to the simple. The simple, uh, as defined in the Proverbs, the simple are the naive. The simple are the easily influenced, ready to believe anything they hear. And we all start out this way. And we all still have some simpleness in us. And Pastor Kevin is actually going to address this specifically in a couple of weeks. So I won't go any further into prudence and the simple. He's going to address the simple in a couple of weeks. But Verse 2, I just, it, it, it doesn't, uh, I just want to reiterate this. Two, verse 2 says you have to endure instruction to get it. Verse 3, it must be something that is received. Verse 4, it must be something that is given. And then verse 5, it's something that we must hear, that even the wise, even the actual wise, not just those who are wise in their own eyes, but even the actual wise still need to increase in learning and obtain guidance and grow in their understanding. And church, no one in here has reached the, finish, the wisdom finished line. We must pers- keep pursuing wisdom. We must not be wise in our own eyes. We must see our need to continually get wisdom. All right, so that's the, that's the first piece of the beginning of wisdom. To, to begin wisely is to understand that we don't have it and we must get it. And so how are you pursuing wisdom right now? This morning, you've started off well, if you're here. 
But how are you pursuing wisdom right now in life? Are you looking to God for wisdom? Or are you looking to maybe unwise friends, to social media, to news anchors? Or are you looking to God? Are you observing his creation? Are you looking to God's word and actively trying to apply it? Are you asking God's people for counsel and advice and guidance? Do you have someone who has the permission to correct you and instruct you even when it's painful? When you find yourself in a situation that requires wisdom, you must first think, how can I look to God to get wisdom for this? It won't be found in ourselves. There's not going to be just, you know, looking inside of us to get it. We must be instructed. We must receive it. It must be given to us. We must hear it. We must pursue it. The beginning of wisdom. The other piece of the beginning of wisdom is found in verse 7 of Proverbs 1, which is really the foundational verse for the rest of the book of Proverbs as well as for our pursuit of wisdom. Look with me at Proverbs 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hebrew poetry and some of the wisdom literature in the Bible is often written in couplets or, or parallel lines. Right? There's, a, there's an A line, the first line, and then there's a B line, the second line. The A line here is the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The, the B line, the second line, is fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it is intentionally written this way with the intent that the B line, the second line, would clarify the A line. And it many times will do this by showing us the opposite of what was written in the A line. And so in order for us to start the pursuit of wisdom, we must have some knowledge and understanding of God and his world and his word. But in order to have that, we must have a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. Which we'll come to in a second, but we can, we can clarify and shed some light on what that means by looking at the second line, right? Contrasting the second line, which says that fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, a fool doesn't think they need to pursue wisdom. They already have it. They don't need instruction. They don't need advice. They don't need pastoral counsel. They don't need to be taught. They don't need to increase in learning. And this despising of wisdom and instruction, this unteachable attitude, shows that someone ultimately does not have a fear of the Lord. You'll, you'll sometimes be able to see that you're talking or, or meeting with a fool when you observe that they ask zero questions. There's no desire for them to really understand you or see where you're coming from. They don't don't need that. They don't ask a lot of questions. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. 
right? There's, there's no desire for them to understand where you're coming from, to ask questions about how you arrived at what you believe or think on a certain issue or topic. No, the, 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 wise, the wise person, the person pursuing wisdom, asks a lot of questions, which, which let me just prepare you for that as, we, as, as the pastors here and the city group leaders here try to shepherd you and lead you. We, we often will ask a lot of questions, but it's not, we're not trying to ask that in, a, in, a, uh, in an attacking way. Uh, don't feel like you need to be defensive because of that. We're not trying to quiz you or catch you or anything like that. We really are trying to just, we're trying to understand you. We're trying to understand, you know, we've all come in with different backgrounds and, and different wounds, and we come in with all these different things. We're trying to understand how we can pastor you specifically. And in order to do that, we have to ask questions. The wise asks questions. The fool doesn't have many questions to ask his brothers or sisters. Uh, they don't really care what they have to say. In fact, it's actually, it is sort of humorous when a fool does try to ask a question uh, because they typically will try to like conjure up a question, but it's usually a question that they already have the answer to. Those are the questions the fool asks. You've maybe experienced this before. Someone's asked you a question and, and you know they're not really trying to hear what you have to say about it. They're just kind of teeing it up for their answer to come in right after. The fool doesn't care to learn, doesn't try to understand. He's just on the edge of his seat waiting for you to stop talking so then he can express his opinion. Proverbs 18.2 A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. There's no fear of the Lord there. There's no recognition that he too needs to pursue wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 reaffirms this as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Well, what does it mean to have a fear of the Lord? To fear the Lord is to live in a reverent awe of who God is. To fear the Lord is to live with an awareness of his presence in the situation. I know for myself there are so many unwise decisions I have made when I have not been living in the fear of the Lord, when I have forgotten his presence, when I have not been in awe of who he is. To fear the Lord, it also means to have a humility about oneself, to be aware of our dependence upon Him, to be aware of our humanness, our limited knowledge and understanding. We are finite creatures. And so the fear of the Lord, it's having this, this awe and this knowledge of Him and His presence, as well as our dependence upon Him and our finiteness in, in view of an infinite God. It's essentially a posture of reverent obedience and dependence on God. Now, the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom, being the beginning of knowledge, it, it doesn't mean that it's something we have at the start and then we move on from. 
No, it is the foundation that all of our pursuits of wisdom must be built upon. If the fear of the Lord is not the foundation, then our pursuit of wisdom will end up becoming a pursuit of the wisdom of the world, which in the end is foolishness. The foundation must always be on the fear of the Lord. Consider with me the rock badger for a moment. And it's not as random as it sounds. We'll get back to the picture in a second. Proverbs 30, verse 24 says, Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. Verse 26, The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. All right, so put that picture back up of the rock badger. Sort of like a prairie dog living on the cliffs in the rocks. You see, when a rock badger is on the cliffs, there is a lot of protection for him. One reason he's protected is because he kind of blends in with the rocks, right? There's some camouflage there a little bit, sort of blends in with the rocks. Predators might not see him as easily when he's on the rocks. But then even if a predator does see him, an eagle starts swooping down to catch him, he can scurry away into the rocks. And the predators can't get him. And so here's the wise thing about rock badgers. They are not mighty creatures, and they know it. They know that their protection comes from staying on the rocks. And when they wander or stray from the rock, they know they are in great danger. And in the same way, when we wander from the foundation of the fear of the Lord to pursue wisdom in our own might and strength, we are in great danger. Listen, humanity's ability to pursue wisdom is great when it is built upon the fear of the Lord. When we pursue it, when we pursue wisdom by looking to God and looking at his world and looking at his word and going to him in prayer and pursuing it with his people, like our ability to to pursue wisdom, it is great. But when we don't fear the Lord and, and we pursue wisdom by our own understanding, by our own human reasoning and logic, when we go down that path, when we leave the rock, we are in great danger and we quickly fall into folly. But if in our pursuit of wisdom we recognize that we are not mighty in and of ourselves, but our might comes from standing on the rock, then we who once were simple and we who once were foolish, we can pursue wisdom and we will be protected as we stand on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. And so it has to start there. It has to start with a fear of the Lord. We must be in awe of who He is. We must have an awareness of His presence in the situation. We must have a humble dependence upon Him. We cannot move from this foundation. And so as you pursue wisdom in the workplace, 
as you pursue wisdom in your home, as you pursue wisdom with your finances and with how you speak and how you use your words, as you pursue wisdom in who you spend time with and the media that you consume and how you engage with politics, as you pursue wisdom and even in how you engage with this church body, you must pursue it standing on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. I mean, in regards to this, this local church body, this is why we call upon you to submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21, many of our city groups just talked about this. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, literally out of a fear of the Lord. That's why we submit to one another. We think it's wise to have a body of believers that submit to one another out of a fear of the Lord. But as you, as you approach all these different situations in life, are you starting with a foundational fear of the Lord? Or are you starting with the foundation of a fear of anyone and everything else? <laughs> we will make very foolish decisions if we are starting with the fear of man or the fear of anyone and anything else, we will make wise decisions oftentimes when we start with a fear of the Lord. Is this, is this on our radar? Is, as we make decisions in life, as we decide what's good and right, what's, what's best and what's better, as we, we, we enter into some of the gray areas of life and try to make decisions, are we starting with it being on our mind, the fear of the Lord? Or are you just doing things because, that hey, that's, that's how your parents did them, and, and you turned out all right? That's code for I'm wise in my own eyes, turned out all right. Or are you just doing things because that's how you've always done them in the past and it's, you've gotten by? Or are you making decisions motivated by the fear of the Lord, not a fear of someone or something other than Him? A fear of the Lord will lead to wise decisions in many cases. If you start with a fear of the Lord, then you will instinctively pursue wisdom from His Word. You'll be motivated to go ask other people who you know that will give you counsel from God's Word. You won't just take the words of seemingly successful people who don't fear the Lord and think that they are giving you wise advice. Listen, there are a lot of smart and very intelligent people out there who do not have a fear of the Lord and they have become fools. They're smarter than me. They're smarter than all of us, right? But if they don't start with a fear of the Lord, they end up becoming foolish. The pursuit of wisdom, it must begin with us realizing that we need to get wisdom and we must pursue it while standing on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. But this fear of the Lord, listen, uh, this fear of the Lord has a relational component to it. All right? It's not the same as being afraid of the Lord, things like that. There's a relational component to the fear of the Lord, right? Because the fear of the Lord is to be aware of His presence. And it's to be aware that you are living dependently upon Him. Essentially, to fear the Lord, that is a call to, to a relationship with Him. And so really, the only reason we can pursue wisdom at all is because Christ has pursued us. 
And he has come and he's made a way for us to be in fellowship and relationship with God once again. God has made a way for us to rightly pursue wisdom. And that's what we are celebrating this Advent season. You see, God first created the world with wisdom. Jeremiah 51.15 says, It is he who made the earth by his power who established the world by his wisdom. God then creates Adam and Eve to be his representative rulers over his creation. They were to rule wisely over all that God had made. However, what do we see happen very quickly in Genesis 3? We see the serpent come in, and he's crafty, and he gets Adam and Eve off of the foundation of the fear of the Lord, right? He gets the rock badger off of the rocks, and now things get dangerous. Adam and Eve are not living in reverential awe of God and recognizing their dependence upon him in Genesis 3. Genesis 3 verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she's pursuing wisdom here, yes? But apart from the fear of the Lord, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so what are Adam and Eve doing here? They, they are pursuing knowledge and wisdom apart from God's word. God has spoken to them, but they are no longer trusting his word. They are pursuing knowledge and wisdom apart from his word, and sin now enters into the world. God curses the serpent. He curses the ground. He frustrates his good creation, and he sends Adam and Eve out of the garden, and now the pursuit of wisdom has become much more difficult because the fellowship with God has been broken. Right? That relational component has been fractured. We then see in the storyline of the Bible that things do not go very well in regards to the pursuit of wisdom with the descendants of Adam and Eve. And eventually we get to the time of the judges, which the time could be summarized by Judges 17.6, which says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So God eventually sends them a king and promises an eternal kingdom through the line of David. King David has a son named Solomon who asks the Lord for wisdom, and God gives it to him. And we see Solomon pursue wisdom, and he compiles wisdom, some of which we are reading right now. And something really beautiful is now happening here with Solomon is because unlike Adam and Eve, he's not reaching for wisdom and knowledge apart from God's word. No, he is pursuing wisdom according to God's word. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so Solomon is pursuing wisdom according to God's word. He's taking these Proverbs. He's training up his son in wisdom to rule the kingdom wisely. And yet sadly we know that Solomon and his son do not continue to pursue wisdom. And we see a lot of foolishness come from the king's after them. And as the kings rule foolishly, we see the people live foolishly. But even as the kings rule foolishly and the people live foolishly, God promised that there would be a day when a king would come and rule with wisdom once again. Hear these words from Isaiah 11. See if anything sounds familiar from Proverbs 1. 
there shall, be, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. We see in some similarities there with Proverbs 1. Isaiah prophesied that this, one, this wise king would one day come, and then there was 700 years of just waiting and longing for this wise king to arrive. And we remember that time of waiting and longing in the Advent season. We are waiting and longing. And then finally, in Bethlehem, in a manger, the wise king arrives, who grew in stature and in wisdom, and in, declared in Matthew twelve forty two that you know just as the ends of the earth came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, he, Jesus said, "Behold, something greater than Solomon is now here." You see, Solomon gave us some of the pro- proverbs, which is which are great. But Jesus has fulfilled the wisdom of the Proverbs. And he has freed us to now follow the wisdom of the Proverbs in a relationship with him. And therefore, the only way to pursue wisdom is in a right relationship with Christ. You see, wisdom is not ultimately just a set of ideas to learn. It's not a a series of life hacks to make you better at living. Wisdom is ultimately a person you can have a relationship with. A follower of Christ must pursue wisdom ultimately because Christ is wisdom. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Writing to the Colossians in 2 verse 3, he says, speaking of Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus Christ is now our wise king who rules his people in perfect wisdom and calls his citizens to pursue wisdom for he is the wisdom of God. Church, get wisdom. Go to God for wisdom. Observe his creation. We, we, we demonstrated this this morning. Consider the rock badger. Go out into God's creation and, and consider and observe his creation and see what wisdom you can gain from it, how God has ordered and created his world. Go to God for wisdom. Go to his word for wisdom. Go to him in prayer and ask for wisdom. Go to his people who are pursuing wisdom, and pursue it together. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be content to just come in here to express your own opinion. Seek out understanding. Ask questions of those you see as being wise. Ask questions of those who you know will give you biblical counsel. 
Don't take your cues on how to live from those who don't fear the Lord. It's a painful process to pursue wisdom, but it is worth it. And just like my pursuit of how to to keep Brittany warm resulted in a great gift, your pursuit of wisdom will result in God giving you a great gift as well. And not only for you, but for everyone who's sitting around you this morning for all those that you interact with throughout your week. Your pursuit of wisdom, God will will give you a great gift in that, and he will give those around you a great gift as well. And so as we we close this morning, I want you, as we're going to go to a time of prayer, but what are some of the areas of your life that you know you are lacking wisdom in? want you to consider that this morning. We all have those areas. We all need to keep pursuing wisdom. But what are the areas in your life that you know you are lacking wisdom in? What are some decisions that you're going to have to make this week that, that starting with the fear of the Lord could help pursue wisdom in those decisions? Get wisdom. We go to his world and his word. We go to his people and we go to him in prayer. And as we pursue wisdom, we build upon the foundation of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray.